Hello and welcome back, everybody. It's another episode of the Space Show Show. I'm your host, Lieutenant Commander Rebecca Frost, joined by noted Space Show fan and Admiral Carrie Jackson. Hi, everybody. How's it going, Carrie? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we're going to talk uh, Star Trek the Animated Series today. Yes. Five episodes. <laughs> Some gems of episodes. Which, which I pounded through yesterday because Sue went to visit one of her friends up in the hills mm. <laughs> so i had a whole couple of hours to, to fill and i went oh i better do my homework for a space show show and yeah and there it is and so i watched them listen i literally only just finished the last episode like 20 minutes ago okay but i'm so glad because it's so fresh in my mind but uh today we're going to be talking about these animated series episodes the survivor the infinite vulcan the magics of megastu once upon a planet and mud's passion the return of our dear friend your old friend your favorite Harry character mud you but love first, Harry mud but first before we get there let's talk about the survivor patrolling near the romulan neutral zone the uss enterprise finds a ship carrying carter winston a federation citizen and philanthropist who has been missing for five years this is another one of those classic shapeshifter episodes um yeah, I uh, I found it uh, retreaded a lot of original mm -hmm. series because they did that a lot in the original series. Let's be let's be quite upfront about that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, the uh, Uhura doesn't make an appearance in this episode. Um, however, Nichelle Nichols voices Anne, who is. <laughs> small universe the fiance of this man carter winston that they find out near the romulan neutral zone um and what a coincidence what a coincidence <laughs> she's and serving on the ship how about that yeah it's small lake city <laughs> but on the enterprise exactly. um but uh th this shapeshifter episode missed one of my favorite tropes of the, the which one do i shoot because you never see two of the same character in the same oh okay that's true since, that's true yeah okay um because who all he does is the he get the creature gives you i don't know like a, a, a vulcan nerve pinch essentially makes you take a nap both kirk and mccoy wake up from their nap going whoa that uh i must have been tired <laughs> nothing and, unusual and, about this they, at all and they don't strike me as people who just take naps you know <laughs> yeah like if i take a nap it is expected and definitely hours long but it's planned as well it's right planned. <laughs> yeah when i tell you I, I spend so much of my day planning naps um and, and we're not starship captains or starfleet no personnel. <laughs> we have such lesser problems uh but like you said this is you know just kind of retreaded yeah. territory nothing yeah. really new going on here uh this episode features a rare guest voice with no previous star trek connections uh ted knight voiced carter winston he goes uncredited here even though he was famously playing ted baxter on the mary tyler moore show at the time and later the legendary judge smales in caddyshack and uh so a hamburger no a cheeseburger i want a hot dog i want a milkshake i want potatoes nothing and i like it <laughs> which is exactly what carter winston sounds like uh this is also the only episode we did learn some crucial information about the star trekiverse in this episode that dr mccoy has a daughter named joanna and she never comes up again never comes up again she um was supposed to be featured in the way to eden the space hippie episode yeah and, i remember 
we which was originally titled Joanna, but this idea was dropped. So big earth shattering news. Dr. McCoy has a daughter. Uh, I was hoping that they would continue this whole he had a daughter situation into the movies, but they never do because it, it would really help. I mean, even in the JJ verse, we get a little explanation about bones. And that is, you know, the wife took everything in the divorce. All I have is my bones. You know, <laughs> at least we knew that about it. I mean, we knew nothing about McCoy in the entire original series or the movies necessarily until Star Trek V. It's such a good, like, would have been such a good um, bit of character development to, you know, introduce and maybe have interactions with his daughter. Because in every interaction that we really see McCoy, he's this crotchety old man, right? Mm -hmm. But bring in his daughter who he probably loves and adores, right? And shows us an indifferent, a entirely different side of McCoy. That would be so fascinating, but mm -hmm. oh well. Yeah, we don't get any McCoy backstory really until Star Trek V, and that's and Star Trek V is such a a divisive movie. A topic. I have to wait all the way until Star Trek V to learn more about Doctor McCoy. Oh, and it's so touching. Everybody dismisses <sighs> Star Trek V as being the worst, and I'm like, no, no, no. There's a couple of those Next Generation movies that are worse. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, that's the one that Shatner directed, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a, it, it contains my favorite line in all of Star Trek. And that is, what does God need with a starship? And I use that so often. I, well, you'll, you'll see it's in, in the coming months or so. You'll see. All right. All right. <laughs> um, I mean, overall, this was kind of boring. Uh, the uh, the line or the show does kind of end with um, one of my favorite Spock digs at McCoy because uh, McCoy says something about two Spocks and we don't need two Spocks. But <laughs> Spock <laughs> says two Dr. McCoys might just bring the level of medical efficiency on the ship up to acceptable levels. <laughs> You've been Spocked. Just oh, such a brutal... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Burn. I absolutely loved it. And our final Ted night. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, moving on to even more Spock, the infinite Vulcan. While visiting newly discovered planet Phylos, Lieutenant Sulu picks up a walking plant called a, Retlo a Retlaw and is poisoned. The alien species that inhabit the planet, who are plant-like beings, approach and save Sulu's life, but kidnap Spock. Hmm... I was scratching my head this entire episode. I had to read the synopsis for this episode as I was watching it because yeah. why? None of it made sense. Before we do even talk about it, this the backstory behind this episode really gives some insight into just how messy the script, like writing these episodes is. The backstory of this episode is more interesting than the episode. It's so interesting because this episode is written by our friend Walter Koenig, Chekhov. And so the idea of Philosians was forced upon Walter Koenig by Gene Roddenberry, who wanted a race of talking plants because it was not possible to do it on the original Star Trek. Koenig had to write 10 to 12 drafts of the script before it was accepted by Gene Roddenberry. And according to Koenig, he was offered the chance to write additional scripts for Roddenberry. However, uh, he turned it down because of Roddenberry's excessive and controlling demands for rewrites. Mm -hmm. um, 
And also, I mean, that's, that's just, I mean, you should have known that going in there, uh, Pavel. Yeah. Right. Where have you been? Where have you exactly. been? Um, but also the Retlaw plant is named after Walter Koenig. It's just his first name spelled backwards. Um, he also auditioned to lend his voice to the role of Caniculus, but was turned down. Koenig openly regrets that Filmation couldn't, or according to him, wouldn't hire him alongside his fellow veteran Star Trek actors due to budgetary concerns. To this day, he bluntly charges the studio heads with sacrificing too much artistic talent in the name of reduced costs. It's hard to believe what a bunch of tightwads were, <laughs> um, Lou Schneider and Norm Prescott were, if you've never worked with them, and even harder to describe after you have. Ooh, some uh, <sighs> bad blood. <laughs> I mean, Koenig is such an interesting creature. Um, <laughs> he goes on and writes more scripts and sci-fi and stuff like that he had a whole series that he created and a whole comic book series that he created oh crazy uh so he goes on and continues to do writing but out of all the star trek cast he seems to me to be the most angry yeah he seems to have had like the worst time of the bunch yeah he he, he felt like he was entitled to more but he wasn't willing to do the work to get more where like Nimoy did you know mm -hmm. Nimoy kept in and kept up the work and kept trying and got more he never I think I think he expected everything to be handed to him and it mm. wasn't I get that feeling anyway interesting yeah but you're right he definitely like seems of everybody the angriest of the yes, bunch yes. which is so crazy but like i said i had to follow along with the synopsis as i was watching this episode because like why so it turns out this main bad guy uh was a human giant from the eugenics wars and he's or... trying to create the perfect specimen and therefore he keeps cloning himself until he finds the perfect specimen which he determines is spock and see i got the feeling that he became a giant when he got there that that was part of the process that he got there as a guy from the eugenic wars but was just regular i see again this this episode is just so confusing i thought it was cool that they even mentioned the eugenics wars but then totally that, but that was it not enough here's the deal uh you know and this guy caniculus is supposed to be a known figure and he this yeah. this clone is caniculus five or something like that he's stavos caniculus five because he's been cloning himself for the last 250 years which is why he called himself number five because he must be the fifth iteration of this mm -hmm. um and their solution sometimes sometimes the team makes some bad decisions in regards to leaders from the eugenics wars yeah. because they decide to leave the cloned giant spock with him on this planet so he can continue to try to do whatever it is he's doing and i was never really clear as to why he wanted spock's clone anyway because he's perfect i, I don't <laughs> <laughs> the whole again the whole episode baffled me but i mm -hmm. i was just happy that you saw this episode because now i want you to go back into lower decks and look for the giant spock skeleton where because i it's listen, in I've lower been, decks i've been re-watching i you know how often i watch american dad i've tried to start replacing that with lower decks <laughs> so that i spend more time watching lower decks than i do american dad but oh my god okay i will go back and look for the giant spock skeleton because there, that's crazy. it's in lower decks go take a look it's hilarious i tell I'm you like 
I know that reference. <laughs> the the more I watch regular Star Trek and the more I watch Lower Decks, it's a, something new every time because Lower Decks is so jam-packed with references. Every, there are so many little it's everywhere. Insane. Either I out and out one. jokes just for us or, you know, I mean, just little props, lamps, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, things like that. I uh, there was one that I caught last week where they're talking about the um, Mugato and Boimler's like, did you know there's different pronunciations for the Mugato? Because you know how it's originally credited in the show as Gumat, it should be Gumato. Oh my god, it was some of the funniest things I have ever seen. Oh, um, so you could tell the writers of Lower Decks are fans, like yes. heavy duty, <laughs> like ooh, like a little bit too much. Like oh, that's all we're doing a lot, you guys. <laughs> but I like it for me because as I continue to watch, I'm going to keep catching stuff. Um, but, you know, moving on from that kind of terrible episode. Yeah, the, yeah. The, <laughs> I <laughs> love this next episode. The Magics of Megas 2. While exploring the near center of the galaxy, the USS Enterprise is caught inside an energy matter vortex and all her computer systems fail. A being named Lucian appears on the bridge, repairs the ship's system, and takes the crew to explore his planet, Megas 2. Uh, very supernatural. The Winchester brothers are meeting the devil, baby. Uh yes. <laughs> <laughs> And this is another episode, too. We're learning about the behind the scenes. So much of the behind the scenes of this show is messy, but we'll talk about it. So the gang is searching for the, essentially the source of the Big Bang, um, which I think is wild to only spend one episode doing. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that seems like a, a whole season of a series, doesn't it? Right. Like that is a literal that is a whole season of Supernatural. And they cover it in Star Trek the animated series for 24 minutes. Um <laughs> But uh so Larry Brody, one of the writers of this episode, had originally sent this script for the third season. He had originally sent this script for the third season of the original series, but producer Fred Freiberger rejected it. Three years later, he pitched the same idea to Gene Roddenberry for the animated series. Roddenberry loved the idea and the script, but according to Brody, Roddenberry rewrote the entire script and Brody did not realize this until the episode aired. Yep. Yeah, you never you never leave anything alone with Gene. That's just all. No. Including not, your women. I was just about uh, to say, not your women, <laughs> not your scripts. Uh, but in the original script, the crew met God. The studio objected to any reference of God. The producers changed changed God to the devil and the studio accepted it. In Star Trek V, Star Trek was able to finally make a Captain Kirk meets God story, which now I'm even more interested in watching Star Trek mm -hmm. V because <laughs> well, what and, is happening? And Gene's original pitch for Star Trek the motion picture was he talked about having Jesus on the bridge and it eventually becoming Kirk fighting Jesus. Please. I know. I want that so Lord, badly. I have seen what you have done for others. Please, <laughs> please give me this. This is insane. So, oh. uh, so anyway. they meet a satyr named Lucian, who he's just well having I mean, he's, a wild he's, romping of a time. He's the devil. He's got horns. He's got the goatee. He's mm -hmm. he's got the goat legs. He's the devil. He's and, he's the devil from every tenacious D music video. Yes. <laughs> and he's giving them a tour around Megas, which is Eden, which was the mm -hmm. allegory I picked up. 
And animated Satan has one move, and it's this. That's what he does. That's he he stretches his arms out. That's what. Listen, he, oh, we cannot got, spend he, more than five dollars on animating Satan. Okay. But he's so cut. Did you see how cut he was? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then yeah. using the the this whole place is all about magic, and so magic with a the, K. Magic with a K. That's how you know it's evil. Evil magic. Yeah. And the crew of the Enterprise is to stand trial for their crimes because it turns out the people of Megas traveled to Earth in the 1600s and tried to integrate, but humans found them to be witches and yeah. burned them at the, the stake. Their mistake was landing in Salem, Massachusetts at the wrong time. That was their mistake. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, this is a good Halloween episode. I was watching it. And I'm like, you know what? Add this to your rotation of stuff to watch in October because this is a good Halloween episode. Um, and the, the way that they win is real Tinkerbell shit. Kirk has to fight because he had the magic within him all along and he just had to believe. Well, that's what was wild to me in this episode was is that if you stayed on this planet long enough, you might be able to learn how to do magic with a K. Sign me up. And and so Spock's the first, and he makes his chess pieces move, you know, on his own. <laughs> and but then it, when it comes to a Kirk fight, of course, you know, Kirk's never wielded magic before, but is an expert at it. <laughs> oh, such a Mary Sue, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the other thing about this episode, this was originally broadcast on Saturday, October 27th, 1973. Again, Halloween. great Halloween episode. When it re-aired the following spring, all references to Lucian actually being Lucifer had been edited out. Whether really? this was at the insistence of the network, sponsors, or others is not known. But the removal of this critical plot point detracted much from the rebroadcast. And I believe it because when he does reveal himself to be Lucifer, it is like big effing deal yeah i mean it it uh i mean again it it kind of steals an idea from a previous live action track episode in that the greek gods mm. were aliens you know and it's so this yeah. is a similar situation just with the earth pilgrims. can't have anything nice can it earth can't no. have anything original no, we don't deserve it and you know that <laughs> why people want to be human <laughs> that's the theme that's the running theme but uh you know as far as having i i wanted my lucifer action figure i didn't get it ah oh, dang <laughs> we never got one but oh. uh you know i mean if anybody looked like satan at spock i no, i'm just kidding listen they already did that they already did that joke are you casting me in the role of satan there you go <laughs> <laughs> well, moving yeah, this, on. But yeah, this was one of those. It was just a. a it was a typical Trek episode. Yeah, it, yeah. You know. I I like I I honestly am now getting more and more excited for Star Trek Five because bring in those Winchester brothers and let's fight God <laughs> and have a roadside beer afterwards. Like, <laughs> oh, there's a fight with God. There, <laughs> Kirk. Yes. Kirk pisses him off. Oh. <laughs> Her. <laughs> oh, he does it. He does it. I can't wait. This is. I this love is this great. for him. My right. God, what other captain? What other captain has the hubris? Well, I mean, you could say. Well, again, this is Trek. You have not seen Cisco. Wants to. Well, doesn't want to be, but is a god. Mm. Okay. 
Okay, okay. That's coming. That's coming. Man, people, oh, the more I hear about DS9, I mm. can't wait. Anyway, moving on to another right. planet. Once upon a planet, the the Enterprise crew revisits the amusement park planet first seen in the classic Trek episode Shore Leave, hoping for some rest and relaxation. Waste of an episode. Didn't care. Didn't what care. are we doing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, the only thing that this thing did was it took us underneath the planet where we didn't go before. Mm -hmm. uh, and it kind of explained how it might happen or work. And I'm, I was okay with Bone's description when he, when he came up with those two hot chicks in the, in the live action mm -hmm. episode, you know, he came up there with those two bunnies, you know, and he's like, they've got an amazing facility down there, Jim, they can do anything. That's all I need. That's all I needed. I didn't need any more. I, yeah, I do love seeing this planet because it's mostly, if you think about it, from McCoy's perspective, because, you know, he initially described it in that first live action episode like Alice in Wonderland and mm -hmm. we get Alice in Wonderland references. And once again, that rabbit, that white rabbit comes hopping by and Alice herself is there. And I'm like, oh, great. These these guys again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it turns out that there is a machine that runs this plant it this planet as a whole one does it even have a name it does but i can't remember i can't remember the name of it sherman's planet i don't know no it does have a name it does have a name um yeah but uh so it's run by one computer and who manages the computer a guy one singular guy and because this planet is designed to like you know if somebody gets injured this planet helps to repair you but what happens if you die who knows because nobody has died on this planet before except nope. the guy except mccoy mccoy died in the live action oh. episode he had critical injuries Wait. and then his body disappeared and then he came back alive and fine but yeah. uh the guy who's been running the computer died and so who the, this computer has been just running the planet mm -hmm. but and i kind of i feel like if you're using this planet for shore leave there should be more protocols in place than just a guy yes a few more safety protocols rather than well what if ted leaves i you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his job is giving you a sick a, day well his job is giving you a vacation what if he wants a vacation do you think he's yeah. gonna stay at home and work no he's gonna want to go somewhere but uh, so the computer that runs the planet, well, that Ted ran that runs the planet, or whoever the guy's name, I could, I'm calling him Ted, all right? I know his who name is not Ted, I folks. Mean, who even cares at this but point? <laughs> the computer becomes sentient and decides it doesn't want to be, for lack of a better term, a slave hmm. working for these creatures that come to visit because that's mm -hmm. essentially what he's doing he's he's thinking maybe there's more uh you know so there was that yeah i love it when computers um determine that people are bad and kirk has to come in and be like oh no 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 we work together do you see with machines you see with we... machi together with machine not oppose machine no i mean we couldn't plug you but we won't i promise <laughs> and forget i even mentioned that forget i even said unplug i <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen the creator 2023 not <laughs> not dead turn off standby yes. um 
But uh, I like that the machine refers to the Enterprise as the Sky Machine, and that's how I'm going to start referring to God from now on as the Sky Machine. I love that idea. The Sky <laughs> Machine. You serve the Sky Machine. No, and for whatever reason, it um, kidnaps Uhura? Yeah, the, again, this episode... Uh, there were things happening that I just like, oh, I don't know anymore. I really don't. Truly, okay, she's been kidnapped. All yeah. right. Truly, the only piece of trivia I have is one of the few times that a Federation starship is shown, shown to be equipped with seatbelts. That's right. They got seatbelts <laughs> in this episode. That's the first time. A common sense precaution whose absence has long puzzled fans. Perhaps the only other time is in a deleted scene in Star Trek Nemesis made nearly 30 years later. Yeah. Oh, what? Well, whatever. And, and, and JJ incorporated the seatbelts into his whole thing. Yeah. Great. Right. Super. I Sorry. Buses. <laughs> buses to this day still don't. <laughs> School buses. And... Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, this was one of those episodes. You're like, okay, uh, put in the very least effort you can, I suppose, and throw it at us. The, I, the backgrounds on this definitely looked reused from yes. other filmation shows. Like this was definitely a Lassie background. I can guarantee it. It was a combination Lassie and some kind of other. I'm sure they were producing a lot of space shows at the time. Mm -hmm. fantasy shows because the you know the computer and uh, yeah it was all a lot of reused backgrounds and stuff but uh, yeah it's just an episode we didn't need really yeah just get just get rid of it but an episode oh featuring my favorite arch nemesis of all time mud's passion the uss enterprise receives orders to arrest federation outlaw harry mud who is accused of selling fake love crystals intercepting harry on the mining colony of motherload they bring him aboard the enterprise of course harry mudd is on a planet called motherload uh, where else would he be <laughs> and he's down there selling I'm, I'm looking at the thing he's selling love potion to minors mm. not not underage people but and people i was like who, am i an yeah. ers <laughs> and i'm looking at the crowd of minors and it's a bunch of rough looking guys and creature guys I didn't see any female representation there. Yeah. I mean, Harry brought a lady with him to yeah. demonstrate. It would just, God, Probably, what a pervert. This yeah. man is such a pervert. It <laughs> <laughs> just insane. And, but uh, I, I love the moment where, you know, Kirk and Spock again. Spock, you know, Kirk Kirk asks, hey, what's the likelihood that Harry is down there? And Spock says some percentage decimal point. And McCoy is like, couldn't you just say it's likely Harry's down there? And Spock's like, I did. Uh, yeah, with numbers. So oh, my there. two dads. Oh, my two dads. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they get Harry. They take him onto the ship. Now, remember. Which, by the way, Harry Mudd says, I may just sue you, and Kirk says, I'll see you in court. Is this still a thing we do in a post-scarcity society? Well, uh, I mean, you, we've, we've had several trial episodes of Star Trek. Yeah, but those are, but those are in regards to, like, the law. Not necessarily, like, judge duty financial 
disputes, so it seems. See, the, uh, Lee would explain this better than I can. But mm. uh, so if you're a member of the Federation, if your planet is a member of the Federation, you don't need money. Because mm -hmm. everything is taken care of. It's all about you know. It's all about the uh, the, the transporters and the uh, synthesizers and things like that. They'll make whatever you need. Mm -hmm. So you you want for nothing and you're okay. We don't go crazy with it. You know we don't make palaces, but we you know we're outside the Federation. They still use money. Mm. So like this is where the Ferengi would come in with their money and you know gotcha. the Cardassians of course and the Klingons still use money and. So I mean, all the other, you know, civilizations outside of the Federation use money, where we're completely hmm. socialist. So I'm Ooh, not explaining that. Dirty I'm not word. explaining that properly, but and Lee would do a better job. But there you go. Um, so so Harry Mud has these fun crystals that will make you will make anybody fall in love with you, and who falls victim to this man? But dear Nurse Chapel, and the implications of this and saying it because she chooses to use these crystals on our dear friend spock and at this point in the timeline they've already had a relationship and they have ended their relationship if strange the, new worlds is canon here the yes implications of this chapel i don't think chapel's ever gotten over him because there's also a moment in the original series where chapel is like oh my god spock like tries to tend to him and he's like whatever mm -hmm. um but the fact that she tries to use these crystals on spock my heart aches for her knowing everything that has happened already well, yeah, and but, but Christine and Spock's uh, relationship is weird because I mean we remember also in the original series that she was engaged to Corby, right? Roger Corby, the, yes, Who the android and, guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, which I can only assume we will get more into in season three because she's been accepted into his fellowship. The Corby Fellowship, yes. Ooh. Interesting. This is my jam. Ooh, I love this stuff. But you you could tell this is written in the 70s because if it was written now. There's no way Christine would do that to Spock. Not without no. his consent or his knowledge or anything like that. You know that it was written in the 70s when, mm -hmm. you know, putting drugs in a girl's drink was just there. It was just a thing, you know, just typical it, Tuesday. It's, you know? it's Tuesday at the Playboy Mansion. That's what's happening, ah. you know. So, yeah. But, so, so not so I mean, she thinks it doesn't work, but then it works. I mean, the writers at the time probably thought they were being progressive because it was a woman doing it this time. What if a, a woman roofing <laughs> a man? Wouldn't that be insane? They probably thought that's very progressive of us, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> With this highly illogical thing <laughs> that could never ever happen a woman roofing a man. Nonsense. Nonsense. And we all had a good chuckle. <laughs> but then it turns out that it, it does work. But not only that, the crystals are somehow they're ventilating through the whole ship. So they're affecting everybody on the mm -hmm. ship. And <laughs> some of the best, just like there's a moment where they're on the planet because Spock, he goes cuckoo bananas for Christine all of a sudden. He's like, my dear sweet Christine, we have to go rescue her because Harry Mudd has taken her down to this planet. And mm -hmm. 
we have to go rescue her and don't he better not harm a hair on her head and i'm like spock oh my god calm down this is insanity and they get down to the planet and kirk and spock have a cute little tender bro friendship moment well because as harry explains is that and and again this is a a, a world where gay people don't exist uh, <laughs> harry explains that the love potion will will make uh, male female attraction like crazy strong male to male attraction their friendships will grow and <laughs> as you and i both know these boys love each other and they, if it and wasn't they, illegal to animate it they would have kissed i can guarantee exactly it. <laughs> and 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 being in the 70s and everything and, and the funniest part is i mean film filmation animation and drawing is so bad anyway but that and it's that meme you've seen it a million times of kirk and spock you. with their arms around each other even that's drawn awkward you oh know? well there's an episode earlier too i think it's um the the planet the plant planet one or no the one with the the infinite vulcan where they have the clone of spock they have weak spock and kirk i think i think it's kirk is carrying spock in his arms and i'm mm -hmm. like give me more of this image please because it's just <laughs> the briefest just like one second and well. Another thing that just I cannot help but notice every time is every time Kirk covers his mouth when he speaks, it just, I notice it so frequently now. It's insane. It's, it's, it's your cost saving right there. We can get this, we can get oh. the episode done quicker if he does this, you know. But That's so funny. With the arm, when the arm around the episode, uh, around each other part happened, I was alone in the house. The dogs were asleep and I couldn't help but go kiss now kiss <laughs> i wanted went, it so bad they, they wake up like what what are you doing why are you yelling at the tv god but then there's also a moment because everybody on the ship is affected oh my god and mccoy has i would never want to be cornered by dr mccoy in a bar because he is the creepiest guy to ever hit on a woman oh he, he talks is, yeah. he talks about well, what was he talking about like all the hearts he's broken or something like that all or the people the hearts, that he'd saved all these people that he's saved and he talks about now let's talk about your heart and this brunette woman zero lines can only nod <laughs> like, animation to, can't pay a voice actress pick her up and i'm like Ah, oh, like he was so creeped out. He was, he was awful. He was just like, yeah, I've saved uh, Scotty's life. I've even saved Spock's life. I, you know, I've saved everybody on this ship's life. As a matter of fact, oh, like, now let's talk dude. about yours, dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, but and then... and and Scotty flirting with them rests. <laughs> well, Scotty, I think Scotty's not opposed to hooking up with anything. You know oh yeah hey you and know. He, he even mentions after after the effects have worn off he's like well i've got the worst hangover and i didn't i didn't touch a lick of scotch or something like that <laughs> <laughs> well this is the second episode with emress and uh she's she's the you know all-purpose bridge officer cat lady uh, <laughs> and again this is a reference to lower decks the cat is the doctor on lower decks and this is the same species <laughs> Uh, the oh, are they the people. same species? Yeah, that's why the cat in the is in lower oh. is is a doctor in lower decks. Interesting. Uh, but the first time we see Emress, she's just voiced by um, uh, Majel Barrett. Normally, but in this episode, Majel decides that it needs to be more cat-like. So it's, after every she leans sexy. Yeah, after every line, it's 
<laughs> and and like, I thought it I thought it was just because of like of the love smoke floating around the enterprise because I was like, oh, she sounds horny now. Now I think what you'll find as we go on, and I could be wrong because I didn't watch the show, I think you'll find that this will now be the thing with MRES is that Majel oh. Barrett will <laughs> every time. Oh, okay. And I'm like, do it or don't, but you know, the way you're doing it now is is really irritating and noticeable and pick kind of, a lane exactly <laughs> and there's and then the moment where the enterprise where kirk is like okay beam us can you beam us up please uh, and it cuts to the transporter room and the two people in the transporter room are dancing that was some of the funniest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I want more of this. And it's like, what what kind of music selection was that? First of all, I guess it was the cheap free kind or something. Yeah. And secondly, we don't have to animate their legs. We just show mm -hmm. them. Hide them table. behind the console. Yeah. Hide them behind the table and everything will be fine and they can dance. <laughs> oh, holy Toledo. I, God. I, as much as I despise Harry Mudd, I think so far this is my favorite episode just because it's <laughs> insane for a child animated TV show. Well, and my, I think my favorite part was at the end when Kirk takes the, the last of the love potion and there are the two giant rock, I guess, rock creatures. They look like, yeah. you know, they're like Godzilla's or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, chasing down the humans on the planet and Kirk takes the last of the love potion, throws it into the one Godzilla's mouth. And then suddenly that Godzilla likes Kirk. He likes Kirk and decides to protect him. <laughs> and tell like, me the rocks are gay. I'm like, tell why me is the it, rocks are gay? Why is Kirk taking advantage of this and getting some? I, you know, wow, he right? It's so unlike Kirk. If I know Kirk, he's going to try it. <laughs> He you know? will try, even with the Rockzilla or whatever it He's is. He's will... trisexual. He'll try anything once. Exactly. Uh, no, no real pieces of trivia for this episode, except no. our our friend um, Roger Carmel reprises his role. Senior Noggle comes back and, and, <laughs> and does a, a pretty good job. The thing I notice with a lot of the uh, performances, the voice performances, is that you know, when they were on set, they were able to be big. And for some mm. reason, they didn't carry that into the voice booth. No, it's very, you know? like, subdued. I, I mean, Senior Noggle does a little bit of it, but not as mm. big as Harry Mudd was in the, in the original series episodes. I wonder when... Um we see that shift in animation, right? Because, I mean, I can't speak to animation as a whole from that era, but like, are voice actors getting crazy in the booths like they do now? Oh, like, when, well, I mean, when did that switch happen? It, it was it was during that cheap period that I told you about in Saturday morning cartoons when everything was rushed and just done quickly and cheaply. I mean, because if you go back and take a look at some of Mel Blanc's and, you know, performances in Looney Tunes, he was all over the place and shaking his cheeks and doing it big and the whole thing. Mm. And then that period of the seventies happened where everything was, you know, animation was getting expensive. We got to do it cheaper. We're sending it overseas, you know, and they, it really constricted and the, the voice performances just weren't as big. And then something happened where it was like, well, we can get back to that. Why don't, you know, why don't we get some, some actors, some voice actors in there who aren't afraid oh. to really bring a performance like Mel Blanc did. Interesting. Yeah, it was I've all never... drab until Robin Williams got in there. Um, 
I mean, he may have had something to do with it. I, uh, I've been rewatching some of these old Looney Tunes every now and then. They're kind of like a, uh, you know, a before bed kind of a, a shot of whiskey or something to help. <laughs> a a little, nightcap, a little, a little nightcap. nightcap of Looney Tunes, a little tequila, you know, something to throw mm-hmm. back. So I've been, I got on my HBO Max and I just got it. So it's in a shuffle kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. And man, Mel Blanc was just so so damn good. I mean, he was all the voices all the time except for maybe two or three instances and he's doing a different take every time and a different intonation it was just astounding and huge performances huge with daffy and oh just amazing i'm at that point now where chuck jones has joined the looney tunes uh chuck jones is a writer and director uh, he's my favorite uh he's just joined and he we saw, i saw his first take on daffy duck he's the guy yeah. who took daffy duck and made him into the manic angry daffy duck that we now know because he started out as crazy oh. and chuck jones is the guy who made daffy what he is now and uh so i saw his first take on daffy duck and i was like i see where he's going with this nice we'll big have performance, to do a whole though. separate like animation of the era type deep dive because that's so fascinating i watched them all uh you know that was that's what i did on saturday mornings man it was a bowl of cereal and flipping back and forth between the three channels checking out everything that's so funny i never watched saturday morning cartoons people like would talk about saturday morning cartoons of my generation and i'm like i don't well i was sleeping honestly (laughs) but by the time you were of that age we had cartoon network it was 24 7. Mm -hmm. it used to be the only time you saw cartoons was saturday morning or you Mm -hmm. know during uh during the week in the mornings before there were news shows they would show a popeye cartoon you know things like that yeah i'm just spoiled and got cartoons all the time yes Um, adult swim (laughs) yeah i miss i miss Honestly, I wish they would bring back. I think I read a thing that was like they're going to bring back some of the weird ones, like Cow and Chicken and Johnny Bravo, and yeah, they're going to bring back a few of those. Yeah. Ooh, Cow. Ooh, two stupid dogs. Bring back two stupid dogs. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's uh, that's it for this week on the Space Show Show. Next week we're going to talk about more animated series. Um, but until then, we're going to go where no man has gone before. But a lot of men have gone before. Thank you so much, everybody.